Welcome to Inside My Favorite Manuscript, the podcast where we talk to people about manuscripts they love and why they love them. Today, we are very pleased to welcome Michelle Margolis onto the show. Michelle is the Norman E. Alexander Librarian for Jewish Studies at Columbia University, where her work addresses all aspects of Jewish studies, including special collections. She was also the co-director of the Footprints Jewish Books Through Time and Place Project. That's a database that traces the history and movement of Jewish books since the inception of print. Michelle's expertise is Jewish book history. She posts about early manuscripts and printed books on her Twitter account, and that is primarily where I know her from, although I'm familiar with Footprints, so I think we may have come across each other even before. I'm so pleased, Michelle, that you're taking time to chat with us today. And why don't we go ahead and jump in and you can tell us about this manuscript. Sure. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here. You know, in deciding a favorite manuscript, I'm not probably not the first person to say this is like, you know, picking between favorite children. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I have really was struggling when, uh, you know, what should I choose? And ironically, the one I chose is not a Columbia manuscript, although I think I talk about those often enough. So I'm going to pivot over to the city of Darmstadt. It's the University Library at Darmstadt in Germany holds this amazing manuscript that is known as the Darmstadt Haggadah. This is a Haggadah, so the the sort of book that's used for the Passover Seder, using all the prayers and sort of what's done at the Passover Seder. It was produced in Heidelberg around 1430, but it's really quite an amazing manuscript, as I think, as I hope you'll you'll see soon. Based on the illustrations, it's a very typical German Jewish style of manuscript illustration. But what's unusual here is the presence of women all over the place in this manuscript. And so this is something that is unusual in general, but it appears we, we see women documented often in Italian manuscripts. There are some illustrations in other manuscripts, but in the German environment, it's much rarer and sort of women do not have as large of a presence as they do in other places, um, like in Spain, like in Italy, as I said, um, mm-hmm. or you know, elsewhere. And so that's something that's particularly unique about this manuscript. So I think I'm going to start with my favorite page from this manuscript, which is 40R, if you're looking at the digitized copy. We've got the link, which we'll also put in the show notes. And so opening up 40R, yes. Lindsay, yeah. do you have it? Lindsay's back. I've got Hi, it. Lindsay. Lindsay's back. Hi, Dot. Hey. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Lindsay. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that. Yeah, to it's open a little up. bit I'm, slow. I'm, it's, I'm still waiting on it, too. In the meantime, you said earlier, as you were sort of introducing this, that one of the things that's interesting about it is that it's got women in it, and that's unusual for Germany as opposed to Italy and Spain. And I'm just wondering why. Do you know, was it just, was it cultural? Was it? I think so. (laughs) I mean, kind of. The environments were different. So in the truth is Spain, not as much as Italy. I would say Italy was probably the most open to things like that. There's another, there are a couple of manuscripts actually that are well known that where there's a prayer in the morning prayers that a man says, thank you God for not making me a woman because men have more commandments and can like have more things that they're supposed to do. And the woman's prayer, the woman's sort of equivalent prayer to that is, thank you, God, for making me as I am, like, according to your will for, you know, so thanks for making me, you know, whatever you decided to do, God. And there are a couple of instances in the Italian context that say, instead of the standard prayer for women, thank you, God, for making me a woman and not a man, Mm -hmm. which is like, 
very sort of subversive, but also why, you know, this is this is what they're doing. And 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 it appears in more than one occasion in Italy. And then that's identified as a woman's prayer book, because obviously mm-hmm. the prayer is for a woman. Right. And then also with illustrations, you have many more illustrations of women in the Italian context. And, you know, it's I, I could be stereotypical and just say, well, you know, the Italians are so <laughs> open to everything. But but I really I, I don't know enough about the art history of it. Also within Germany, there's a movement called the Hasidé Ashkenaz, which are the pious ones of Ashkenaz, which is the Central European sort of German lands. It's a whole movement that's sort of working on themselves to become better people. And of course, one of the, it's somewhat of asceticism, which you don't have complete separation between the sexes in Judaism. Marriage is considered a good thing, but there's this distancing. So a a man shouldn't spend too much time talking to a woman because he might be, you know, tempted, things like that. And that comes out of this movement, which has a lot of this sort of women as danger concept. And that that comes out of the Ashkenazic sort of German area perspective. Interesting. That's so, very interesting. Yeah. It's funny because there are known thinking about like the, the one of the most famous historic women is Glickel of Hamelin, who's of course much later. She's, I think, in the, she's in the early modern period. I'm going to get her century wrong if I say it. Um, okay. But she's, you know, she's a businesswoman and she's doing all sorts of things. Her husband dies. She has a she has a business. She has a family. She's writing all sorts of stuff. And even in the medieval period, you have a case with one of these rabbis from the Hasidic Ashkenaz movement, from this pietistic movement, has this amazing dirge that he writes for his wife, who possibly was killed during one of the crusades. The timing seems to be right. Um but he doesn't explicitly say that it was crusaders, but he talks about how these evil people came and they killed my wife and my daughter. And then he gives a eulogy for his mm-hmm. wife, which is so um, loving and so respectful that, again, it sort of turns this concept of these German pietists on its head of, wait, maybe when they wrote about women, they were writing in sort of a frightened way and, you know, they could tempt us into all sorts of sin but when it came to actual interactions, this was Eliezer Roquet talking about his wife. When it comes to the actual reaction, interactions with women and the way that he spoke about his wife, that was like the reality was very different than the sort of ideal world that nobody actually lived in, but right. like we're striving for. So it's interesting to see those. Right. That's really, that is really interesting. So I, I just, I just love this page. It's a page with part of the prayer. This prayer actually comes after the festive meal. It's toward the end of the Seder. But the image on the page doesn't really have anything to do with the prayer itself. The image of the page is what to me looks like a med- medieval academy filled with men and women holding books, studying books, interacting with each other. But nearly everybody is actually holding a book. Some are sit- seated at a table. The people who are not actually holding books are talking to people who are holding books. What you'll notice right away is that the majority, I want to say the majority, but I might, I think the majority of the people in the image are women. There are men there as well, but there's a clear, strong presence of women who are the ones who are sort of discussing that whatever in this, in this academy, as I call it. There are a lot of women. Right. I mean, I love the gowns. They're kind of beautiful, but Mm -hmm. Um, just the fact that they're there is to me amazing. And also studying with men is interesting to me that it wasn't that there's this sort of cross gender studying going on as well. Yeah. So I I just feel like I want to be in this academy. It looks like stimulating and fun place to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's sort of my favorite picture from this, from this 
Haggadah. There are other images, if we go back to the overview, right at the beginning, 5R, and that's literally the very beginning of the Seder. So it's the blessing on the wine. And you see the man holding this giant flagon of wine. That's a lot of wine. That's a lot of wine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and that's the letter bet that's decorated amazingly. Like I'm just noticing this now, the sort of almost texture. It's like scroll mm-hmm. work inside of that letter. The pink it looks like a, it? it looks like a very nice quilt. Yeah, yeah. With the squares. But look at look at the inside of that that bat, the letter itself. The pink oh, letter. the inside of the letter it, looks like fabric. Yeah, I, I would think maybe parchment even, because that's how I think. But it could be it's fab- fabric. Mm-hmm. It looks like yeah, I think it does. It does look like like fabric, like um, like a like a flag, like a long flag that's sort of whipping almost like a banner. in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really neat. Cool. And then there's so he's on one side of the letter, and then on the other side there's a woman, and she's got a book in her hand, another book. Yeah, wearing oh. this again fabulous red gown with blue sleeves mm-hmm. poking out of the, I yeah. guess, the cover. Yeah, and her head is covered, but not all the women in there have covered heads, which is also interesting. Yeah, um, I did notice that in the previous in the previous illustration that some of the women didn't have have head kind of coverings. I'm not an art historian. I know that within Judaism, so a married woman would cover her hair, but I don't know about the cultural context. Like if all women were co- were supposed to be covering their hair, um, you know, within what was going on in that particular place, or if that's the distinction they're making between married and unmarried. So is the book, does the book that she have, is that supposed to be like a Haggadah or is it, do, I, I do we not really know? I, I don't know. That's That's what's so... That, that these are all the questions I have about it. Is is mm-hmm. is it is it a Haggadah or is it that she's just a learned woman and so we have her holding a book? The other page mm-hmm. we looked at showed a meal, showed a people sitting around a table, but mm-hmm. but that you know that academy image, as I call it, is was in multiple layers. So only one level had people actually sitting at the table. And even at the table, there was food, but there were also books. They yeah, had the books yeah. at the table with them. Yeah, um, and I'm not even sure that it was. Maybe they were they were goblets, like it, they were those gold circles. Oh, could be. Mm-hmm. So may, I'm not even sure that there was actual food on the table. So I don't know if it's this. Okay, we're all sitting at the seder, and so everybody's holding their book, which conceivably not everybody would, because books are really expensive, and not everybody. That's why you have a seder leader who's who's guiding the service, because not everybody has is able to hold the Haggadah or have one made for them these are all these are all going to be handmade so I'm not sure I I have so many questions about this book and that's that's part of what I love about it right because you were you were telling us before we started recording that this is not really a book that you've studied this is just a book that you think is really cool exactly so (laughs) which I think is which I think is great yeah and then on the left side you'll see the hand changes because that's commentary so this oh, right. very square, what I call Hebrew Gothic, because I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it looks Gothic to you, but it's very heavy It's mm-hmm. um, for Hebrew. And and on the side, it's it's more of a semi-cursive. Yeah. So the, I'm just going to describe right. it. So the main text is like very, it's quite large and square. And it does, like, I see what you mean. The It's clearly written with a quill that is that is very wide. And then it's, but then when the, with the minims go down, it's very narrow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like very wide and then very narrow. Um, For those of us who are not manuscript experts, can you explain what a minim is? 
Yes. So the minim is the up down. It's like the the strokes that go down. It's like minim. on an M. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like Think a minim. On the M and the N, you have all those downward. Yeah. Thank you. The word minim is basically written at, with a bunch of minims, just up and down, up and down. Yeah. So that's what that is. And then there's a more narrow band of much smaller lettering that's commentary in the left margin of this page. Yeah. And it does look more, um, yeah, like a, it's a little soft, easier to, I don't know, very different. What is the red? I'm seeing there's some red in dots. Between the letters? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking on another page and I was just noticing that I think it's just decoration. You mm -hmm. know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything. It's not like the, because the vowel pointings are underneath. Right. Um, oh, you know what it is actually? Um, what is it? That letter where it's on the bottom, those, that's a special, you add that if Shabbat, if, if Passover falls out on Shabbat, then there's extra words that you say. Oh, you recognize that it's the Sabbath also, in addition to being Passover. Okay, so that so the so the words that have the red around them are ones that you also say when it's when it's a, like a double. Yeah, yeah. Although not at the top, I was noticing on the top how in between right. the thin part of the letters you see those yes. those red like red lines, and I think that's just decoration. Okay. Okay. Because those are just, that's just a standard blessing. All right. This is very cool. It's, this is interesting for me too, because I don't, I don't look at Hebrew manuscripts very often. And it's interesting how they are similar. This is, has a lot of, you know, like a lot of things that are happening here look familiar to me from mm -hmm. like looking at Latin manuscripts, but how they're also, how they're different. Like this sort of red yeah. um, decorations is is um quite is quite different from what i'm used to so this yeah is great. They, you don't have the rubrication in the same way mm -hmm. and actually yeah. having an initial letter is more unusual in hebrew you usually will have an initial word rather mm -hmm. than break up the letter from the word in this case this word. is like the exception that proves the rule um where you do have the initial letter mm -hmm. but what it does actually is the rest of the word is not there so you have a big oh. letter bet here which is supposed to be the beginning of the word Baruch and it just skips it. It's like, well, you know what the, you know what this means. It's almost like the, that, that big letter is, is a stand in for the word. It's, for the word. it's like representing the whole word. Yeah. 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 I, this is, it's so much fun to do this because I'm, I'm looking at it so much more deeply than I usually do. Yeah. And now I want to go back to that big one that we looked at before. And in that case, 37V, in that case, the letter is broken up. So you have the big letter Shin, and then the rest of the word Pevavchaf for Shafoch is actually, is actually there, which is interesting. Oh, I see that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't read Hebrew, but I see, I see what you're saying. But the so word actually continues. And in fact, yeah. now that I'm, now that I'm looking out for it, so... On 25 verso, you see there are two letters, two initial letters, and that's starting the word lefichach, but it, it also, it's like, I can't just have one letter there because I need you to know that we're starting a word. 45 verso? 25, sorry, 25 verso. <laughs> 25 verso. All right. Oh, there we go. With lots of animals on it. Oh, look at that. There yeah. are birds. There's a bluebird and a sort of 
bird with a red face. And a cheetah and a bear and a monkey, I think. A cheetah, bear, and a monkey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's delightful. And this is totally whimsical. It has nothing, again, nothing to do with the text. And how I like that's kind of a shame. The monkey's, the monkey's tail sort of kicks over the commentary. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to make your commentary fit well on your page is just have a monkey's tail get in the way so you have to move everything over you have to like right around right yeah. around it oh that's fun yep so yeah. the, and then there are two there's this big square i like the it's the way that they do the initials too is different from from latin manuscripts mm-hmm. because i would expect to see that all the way on the left right or i guess on the right right since it's hebrew right but instead it's like right in the middle of the page yeah it's like um, here's the new section yeah. We're starting yeah. in the center. It's yeah. more like a, almost like a section heading. Yeah. And here the woman is holding the cup because this is right before, this is said right before drinking one of the cups, mm-hmm. the second one, I believe. And so both the man and the woman, the woman is holding a cup because during this whole prayer, you're supposed to hold the actual wine cup. And so mm-hmm. there she has her, I guess here it's actually the Haggadah. She has it on her lap. She's holding the, holding onto that in one hand and then has the, the actual cup with wine in the other hand. So the implication is that she is leading this prayer with the... Uh, she's saying it along with the leader. She's saying it. Oh, okay. I, wouldn't, I, okay. I, I wouldn't presume that she's leading it. Maybe she is, okay. but I, it would be, I would be surprised if she was. And that's why you have the man on the other side, because don't worry. Don't right. worry. There's a man leading it. There's a man leading it. She's just there. <laughs> yeah. But she's, she's actively taking part. And this is a, an interesting thing about the Passover Seder. It's something that it's part of this commandment to tell your children about the exodus. And this and the mother is involved. Part of talking about like the four sons with the simple son, the language is gendered feminine so that you the the you is actually a feminine you talking mm-hmm. to the mother, that the mother's the one who's supposed to talk to the simple son. So it's it, it it's very much a, an activity that's done by a family or that's done mm-hmm. by both men and women. This isn't just one or the other. There's another one I was looking at before. Uh, 10v lots of lots of whimsy here oh oh that's got marginal all sorts like, of stuff oh <laughs> there's a little dragon and a and a bird and like a lion with a blanket on his back yeah he's like wearing a <laughs> scarf of some kind yeah and one of them has one of the dragons there looks like it has a peacock peacock's feathers does. oh he does oh that's weird and he's yeah. he's like kissing the other one i can't tell if they're kissing or fighting and he's like attacking they're, him <laughs> they're probably supposed to be fighting <laughs> um so a couple of important things to point out here um first of all if you look at those men on either side of the of the letters so the the word this is a single word ha it's an aramaic word um, it's the beginning of the halach ma'anya, where it's talking about the matzah as the poor man's bread. Mm-hmm. But I want you to notice the two men on either side and their funny hats, um, because yes. those funny hats are the Jews' hats. Right, the little pointy. Wear. Yeah, with the, oh, with the okay. So these are right. hats that all Jews have to wear because they're just, you know, scary people. And we can't mm-hmm. tell that they're Jews unless we force them to wear something else. And so, right. you know, an innocent Christian woman might be seduced by those scary people. So we need to mark them. Those are the hats. I, I've never seen them. Actually, my understanding that was that they were yellow. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to see them painted here in different colors. There's like a green one. And then there's the guy on the other side is wearing a red one. Yeah. But in real life, they would have been yellow. You mean? I think I, I've, I've seen them 
often colored as yellow. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just, you know, how they're colored and really they could be any color. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, the whole page is very colorful, so it would be hard to say if it's maybe they just... They just wanted to color. We're taking artistic license because it's colorful. Yeah. Yep. It's very, it's very nice. It's got lots of little... So you have sort of the letter in the middle or the letters, the word in the middle, and then boxes going out with the people in it. And then you've got these creatures. And then on the outer right and left margins, you have these floral decorations. Yeah. Floral and leaves with sort of critters, critters in them. Yeah. Look at that lower left toward the, in the left bar, I guess. Mm -hmm. There's what else almost looks like a living. It's like a flower, but it, it, it's anthropomorphic sort of the light blue one. I see that the blue, the blue thing. Yeah. Do you see that, Lindsay? You guys got a face. I do see it. It looks almost like a bat that is also a flower. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's like holding its wings. Yeah. Its wings in. Cool. Well, we'll definitely, maybe I'll do a close up of that one on the, in the show notes so people won't miss it. I love that this is digitized because it's such a, just, I I first saw this actually because we were given, there is a Columbia connection. We were given a donation of a number of books that included a facsimile of this, a pretty, pretty nice facsimile of this manuscript actually, which I should shout out will be on display in our upcoming exhibit on facsimiles in the spring. Um, Oh, cool. Shout out to Emily Rundy and Jane Siegel. So it's going to be on display because it's a, it's, one of the nicer facsimiles, so the ones that are thousands mm-hmm. of dollars in their own right, because they have gold leaf and they're made on parchment. And and I opened this book and I saw, I was like, wait, there are women everywhere. What is going on? <laughs> um, and then I was so excited to find it online as well. And um, interestingly, though, this page, I, do you think that late that person up in the left, not the far left corner, but sort of diagonal from that, is that mm-hmm. a woman or like a page, a boy kind of? Yeah, I want to say it, it's hard to tell. What do you think, Lindsay? Uh, I was looking at that person and was wondering as well. I'm going to go with a page because the the hair doesn't resemble the women's on the other page that we looked at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hair, it's sort of golden and curly and very pretty. And I want to say it looks like a woman, but also maybe that's just because I have been... You know, I'm thinking about what a woman, what I think a woman would look like. And it could also, it could be like a boy. I was going to say maybe that Ooh. split, like there's a slit in the side where the sleeves come out. Mm-hmm. And that maybe, because we saw that on some of the women, but maybe oh, I just true. want it to be a woman. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to tell because the men also have, you know, their, their arms are coming through the... It's like they have those ropes. capes or yeah. something. Yeah, robes that are over them. And so it's sort of hard to, because you only see a bit of him mm-hmm. or her, a bit of them. Yeah. Maybe someone who knows more about art history will hear this and take a look and will let us know. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I'd love, I actually, I've, I've looked for, so I didn't find a whole lot of research done on this manuscript, which is which is amazing. There's a whole lot of work that's been done on the Sephardic manuscripts of the, like the Golden Haggadah or the Bar- I mean, the Barcelona Haggadah has, you know, has uh, the people, the what's it called? Geraldine Brooks book 
is about the the Sarajevo Haggadah, which is also a Spanish Haggadah. So there's a lot of work that's been done on that context, the Iberian Peninsula, but not as much on the Ashkenazic, with the exception of Joel Ben Simon, who's a well-known, also 15th century, illuminator and illustrator of manuscripts. And he have we've there are not there are at least ten of his manuscripts that are known um, around mm-hmm. the world. But this one is something else. This is this. I'd love to see more done on this one. So we don't know who did it or um, the scribe's name is Israel Ben Mayer. So Israel, mm-hmm. son of Mayer. So we've got that, and you have that on leaf fifty six V. He writes at the end in very large letters, "I am the scribe, Israel, which is Israel." son of the rabbi mayor and from Heidelberg. I got curious. So I'm looking at that and it's just, that is, it's the whole page is the colophon. Yeah. I think it's just him. Yeah. In very large letters. Very large letters. So it's just a few words, but that's the whole colophon. That's the whole thing. Nice. It's yeah. always nice when they sign it. Yes. <laughs> they don't always, they don't always <laughs> sign them. Uh, um, and then things get a little weird. Um, if you look all right, at I like weird. 57V. 57V. There, okay, I can already tell I'm liking this because there's some trees. So there's a hunt. Um, right. And the hunt is sometimes, Lindsay, were you going to say? No, I'm just, it took me by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so the hunt is actually not that unusual for a Haggadah because it's sort of a funny thing. But if the Seder, if Passover starts on a Saturday night, there's a special order of what one does because there's a ceremony to end the Sabbath called Havdalah, mm-hmm. which is incorporated into the Kiddush or the blessing over the wine at the beginning of the Seder. And it's it's sort of when you're supposed to do which things. So there are a few parts to the Havdalah and there's a few parts to the Kiddush, which is standard at the Seder. And the abbreviation that's used is Yaknahaz, which means hunt, which means a hair, a hair. I think I think it means a hair, H-A-R-E. And mm-hmm. so there are often images of a hare hunt, like a hunt mm-hmm. for hares. Right. Um, in this case, actually, it's it doesn't look like a, a rabbit, though. It looks like it's a gazelle or something. So that, yeah, it's got horns and there are dogs sort of jumping on it. But there is there is something that looks like a rabbit in front it of is. it. It's very small. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do you it's see underneath. That? Yeah, I didn't see that before. Yeah, so there's an animal, so there's a bunch of animals, and then there's a guy on a horse blowing a horn sort of behind them, but it's all very compact, and it's also (laughs) inside a fence. It's like there's a fence around. Right. So it's all very contained. It's like this one space, and it's all this play on this one word. Right. That's an abbreviation for how one goes about the order of Saturday night Passover seders. Um, it's so fun. Oh, it's sort of a very much an in-joke, but something that scribes used. And so you do find some form of the hunt in medieval and early modern Haggadot. But if you just go to the next page. Oh. Yeah. That is a tower. Oh, my. Oh. Oh, are they naked? They are naked. Mm. All right. What's, what's happening? I don't know. This is... <laughs> I'm just not going to guess. You, 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 what you see? <laughs> there are there are several people, and there's women. There's a woman and at least one man, and I can't tell what the other people are. And some of them are wearing hats, which is interesting. And they are in the water. There's water coming down like a shower. That's very interesting, but you don't know what this is? No idea. No <laughs> okay. idea. 
This is like yeah. somebody at the end was like, hey, let's continue with this archi- very gothic architectural motif and make mm-hmm. it into a bath. So maybe um, maybe it, maybe it, there's a Voynich connection here. Maybe it's like... It's <laughs> <laughs> right, because the Voynich has that whole section on bathing. Right. Right. It would be it would be from about the same time, right? 1430? Yeah, okay. it's about when it is supposed to be 15th century, so. Yeah, we'll have to bring uh, Lisa Fagan Davidson on this. <laughs> we'll get her to take a look at this and see what she thinks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the theories is of course that it's like a Jewish mystical something or another, but not going near that. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. So what do you think, was, Lindsay? I don't yeah. know. I'm, there's so much to take in here. I'm looking at there's like a, a couple of people down behind what looks like the door having some mm-hmm. sort of little intimate conversation. And then there's oh, like a, yeah, yep. there's a person who looks like they're in a walnut shell. I don't know. I thought maybe he was taking his clothes off. He's, like, he's, he's over. like bending over and it's over his head. It's yeah, but you're, he does look like he's a walnut shell with feet. <laughs> and then there's somebody who uh, is on a using a crutch and looks like he's about um, to whack that like guy. Uh, oh, the person uh, facing him. The person facing Sorry, he him. Wants to, he wants to go to this. What I'm guessing is some sort of magical restorative bath. <laughs> no, I, I hope they let him in. And then there's on the other side, on the other side, there's another little guy climbing the stairs to hand something to the people in the bath. Yeah, the perspective is all weird because it looks like the steps would go up underneath. Yeah. And of course, then all the water would come out. Well, yeah, this is all this is very weird. I would love to know if there is some other, you know, something like this. Oh, yeah. And it is very gothic. I just I just scrolled because I'm all zoomed in. So I scrolled to, to the top. Oh, yeah. And it does look like a gothic cathedral almost at the top. Yeah. So you Ooh. do have ritual bathing in Judaism. Like, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But where this, you know, I don't know what is coming out of this. It's at the very end of the Haggadah. So maybe it was done later, although it's very much in the same style as the rest of the manuscript. Again, if you go back to that Academy image, it's the same kind of sort of gothic look. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there is some significance to the animals' heads that are acting as the spouts to whatever this fountain is. Can't tell what they are. A wolf? And I want to, I don't know what the other one would be. It's wearing a hat. (laughs) Yes. Yep. No idea. But if anyone listening to this sees this and knows anything about it, let us know. Because that that is very interesting. All sorts of things to think about on this one. It's very pretty. Yeah, I love the just the animals all over the place on leaf fifty one V. There's a there's some lions and some more birds and and lovely design. That, oh, that's like, really nice. That background of the letters mm-hmm. is really nice there. And again, you have two letters there. That's a two letter word, so that's a full word. Yeah, so this is nice. It's basically a, it's just a square, but then it's got a smaller square inside, and it's like divided into a grid. You've got lions on either side and birds. There's a lot of birds. There were all in the hunt scene. There was a tree in the middle with birds. Yeah, also in the tree. the tree. Yeah, too. 
I'm also thinking about it being Germany and not seeing so many exotic animals, but maybe birds was something that was easier for them to right to find. I mean, so they obviously be... do have some exotic animals. But... I was gonna say I was gonna say they're more like local birds, but then I I look at I zoomed in at the birds at the bottom of this one, and they look like I don't know they're like green and red. Yeah, and their wings oh, are sort parrots. of lifted a little bit. I've been sort of looking while well, we've been looking at the different pages, and one of the things that I look for is sort of signs of use like mm-hmm. notes in the margin or you know errors that have been fixed or even things like dirty corners mm-hmm. and i guess there's a little bit it i mean it certainly looks like some of the corners are like it's certainly been used but it hasn't been really marked up but that might just be because a, a book like this wouldn't be treated like that. So I'm going to take you to Leaf 30R. Okay. I'm so happy that you asked the question. So this is a book that's used. Ooh. Parts of what's going on here is eating. Oh. And you have to find the right pages. That's right. Because this is a book. Because the Seder is a meal. The it's whole a thing meal. is a meal. And so yeah. you're going to have the book out. Oh. Okay. So there's lots of prayer. So during the prayer parts, maybe not, but this is actually the place, like what we're seeing is the blessing on the matzah and uh-huh. the the blessing on the marr, the bitter herbs, and then mm-hmm. some more introductions. And then shortly after that is the meal. And so you see it's right. spotted. There's somebody yeah. drips some stuff. Um, yeah. There's literally like drips fish. that have been wiped up. <laughs> I yep. can see it now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, this is why I love the Haggadah as an object, because mm-hmm. it's an object that shows use. So you see so much, so much of it can be like beautiful, pristine, untouched. And then you open it to the part where it talks about the matzah, or you open uh-huh. to the part where it talks about where there's a blessing on the wine, and you're always going to see a stain. Yeah. Almost always. Um, That's so the great. next page, there's a little bit also, if you just go to the next page. Ooh. Yeah, there's more. There's more staining. And I think if yeah, I can see there's there's a matching stain right at the gutter. Mm-hmm. It looks almost like somebody there was a something fell and then it like closed. I, yeah. So you've got the yeah. same stain on both sides. Yeah. Uh, we have a we have a Haggadah at Columbia from much later. It's it's the Comptant Venison, so it's probably Car- Carpentras, but 18th century maybe. And I mm-hmm. really want to have our conservators like do the chemical analysis of the because there's Mm -hmm. so much dirt there and like dirt that you could actually scrape off like enough that you could take that off without harming the actual that one actually is on paper but where where it's it's far enough off and then do a chemical analysis and tell me like exactly what kind of wine they were drinking in the south of france in the 18th century or Mm -hmm. you know what what foods they would have been eating at the Seder. I, I have this dream, like there's so much potential for for that sort of work. That would be so cool. And I know that there have been, I mean, there's at least one project I know of that was specifically about, about like testing stains. Yeah. But I know that it's a big, the whole chemical analysis is sort of a interesting thing, especially since we're, we are at the point where you don't have to actually cut, you know, cut whole pieces out in order to do that. So I have another question yeah, going back to the previous leaf we were looking at with the, with the first one we looked at with the stains on it. Yeah, and and this one, it does look like there's some text that's been added, or at least it's slightly like the main text is in a re- very dark ink, and then there's more text. There's like three lines sort of in between. It's a lighter ink. Yeah, it's a lighter ink. Is that 
but it also looks i don't i mean obviously i'm not i'm not a paleographer at all and especially not with hebrew but but the writing does look the same it does look it look like it's the same hand it's also like very standard it's it's the blessing on the matzah and the blessing on the mar and then okay. in between well so this is interesting and i wonder if it had i wonder if that's gold oh, oh. yeah Oh, you know what? Yeah. That is. Okay. Yeah. Because this part of the Seder, so before before you get to this part, you say anybody who doesn't say these three words has not fulfilled the obligation of the Seder. And the three words are Pesach, which is the Passover offering, Matzah, the Matzah that one eats off the Seder, and Maror, the bitter herbs. So that mm-hmm. is the like if you're going to distill the Seder into three things, that's what that's the most important thing. So it looks like the illuminator, I guess, said, this is the most important part. We're drawing your attention mm-hmm. there by coloring these world, words in gold. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And now that you've pointed out that it's gold, I can see it's gold. And this is one of the things that happens when you work from a digitized. Yes manuscript it is hard to tell that this is gold <laughs> yeah yeah although um, I, I zoomed in um oh, yeah. to the previous page actually so i went to 29v uh-huh um and if you look above the lowest black letters in between the second and third word there's a little tiny insertion because they left a word out and that's done in a script in a cursive hand. I don't know if you can see that. And those are actually instructions. So the black here are instructions rather than prayers. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And there's a lot more gold on this page. And yeah, yeah when I zoom in, I can, I can see that it's, that it's like gold right. raised. This is one of my favorite words. I think it came out of the bodley and used the term book squashing. Oh yes, I know, right? I know that word. Yes, that when you digitize a book, you basically un three dimensionalize it. Well, you make it into two dimensional, but mm-hmm. it, so you you don't see if you were looking at this book, you would feel the gold because the gold would be raised. Mm-hmm. But looking at it flat, you can't tell that those that the te- there's texture there on those words. It was Emma Stanford who was who was the the Bodleian. She's no yeah. longer at the Bodleian, but okay. I remember that. I, I will actually include that in the show notes. It's a blog post on the yeah. Bodleian Bodleian blog. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely true. So wow, it's such a great way to talk about digitized manuscripts. Because on the one hand, it's so amazing that so many uh, manuscripts are available digitally, and mm-hmm. then. But also, there's nothing like the original for so many reasons. So what do you think, Lindsay? Oh, I think it's amazing, all of it. I'm, I have to confess, I went back to the page with the hunt on it just because I'm so enamored of that tree full of birds. And It's also like, is that supposed to represent a whole forest? So we have one tree. We have, just- it's covered in acorns. And I wish I was more familiar with birds, try to determine what these guys were. I wonder if there's any sort of meaning to the birds that were chosen to put in that tree. It's so hard. It's so hard to tell because sometimes things are meaningful and sometimes... They're just birds. But they're 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 arranged they're arranged very nicely. I will uh-huh. say that they are, you know, they're not haphazard. They're, you know, they have a definite, you know, you have two that are facing each other and then two below that are facing each other, and then sort of two smaller ones that are on the back, so the ones on top, and then there are other ones facing away. In all different colors. And I love how it shows that this tree has been pruned to have that shape. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the 
the branches that were cut the off. branches thank you how can i not think of the word branches <laughs> the branches have been cut yeah yeah it's got this very round pretty top so yeah. that you could find the your prey i guess how wealthy or not would someone have had to have been to own a book like this in its time dot you could probably answer that better than me but it's mm-hmm. old it's parchment I'm sort of comparing it in that respect to like Books of Hours Mm -hmm. because Books of Hours are similar in that it was sort of a prayer book that would have a fair amount of decoration, more or less, and a fair amount of gold. And the more gold and decoration that it had, the more expensive it would be and the, the more fine it would be. So having not looked at a lot of Haggadah manuscripts. It's sort of hard for me to say because I don't know if they get much fancy, more fancy than this. I mean, the fanciest one is called the Golden Haggadah because it has, and again, that's Sephardic. It's coming out of a totally different context. There's mm-hmm. a whole cycle of gold. They're almost, it's been compared to a comic book because there are little panels showing various scenes from Genesis. So creation of the world and then mm-hmm. the flood and things like that going through Genesis, uh, mostly in other, other parts. And everything is backed in gold. So instead of right. these colorful backgrounds, it's all like there's an image and behind it is all gold. It's gold. Wow. Right. So that does happen. Right. But that's like really unusual. But that's really, that's why it's called the Golden Haggadah because it's straight. Right. I mean, it's, it's yeah. unusual. I mean, I would guess you would have to be pretty wealthy, but, you know, not like royalty. So like, you know, a wealthy merchant maybe would have a, a fancy book of hours and then a wealthy merchant who was Jewish could have a fancy Haggadah. Now, this is another question for you, Michelle. Would a Haggadah, this would be a book that would be owned like by a family, right? It would be a family kind of book? Yeah. I mean, as opposed to like an institutional book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But also there aren't, you don't really have institutions. I mean, you have, you have yeshivot, you have places of study, but you don't have the same, like as a monastery, you don't have those kinds of institutions that are sort of all over the place. Religious practice is very much, it's communal rather than coming out of sort of a larger body. Sorry, I'm admitting that like I know very little about Jewish religious practice as practice in the Middle Ages. I'll say I know very little about Christian religious practice in the Middle Ages. So there you have it. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, but there would, you would have, I mean, for the Christian, I mean, and obviously like it's very different because it was very, the Christian church, you know, the Catholic church was like very powerful. And so you did have a whole system system of monasteries and cathedrals and the bishoprics that all reported up to to the pope and i'm guessing that for jewish people as you said it was sort of much more communal with your family and the other jewish people that you that you live near yeah i mean there's there's a rabbi in the community conceivably there are certain at different times there was leadership that one would turn to if there was a question that was sort of too too hard for the local person they would send it to one of sort of the great people or like the higher level people, but you don't have this centralized, everybody who's Jewish is going to turn to this one person with maybe one or two exceptions at different periods, it, you know, in the solid medieval period in, in the, what I would call sort of pre, it, it's still medieval, but the eighth, ninth century, one, mm-hmm. if we're still at the end of like the Mishnaic period. There was a yeshiva, so like a seminary at, um, originally at, at, there was one at Yavne, one at Pumpadita. Um, It ended up in Baghdad and Jews from all over the world would send their questions to the yeshiva at Baghdad and they would send back and sort of that was the central place. But that's, Mm -hmm. that sort of fell apart by the second millennium. 
Um, so right. by the time you get to the year 1000, things are decentralizing much further, much in a much stronger way. Right. Um, and you have, you know, you have big names, you have people like Maimonides, but even those people are in specific places. And so they're known everywhere, but not everybody is going to just go to Maimonides with a question. Maimonides had a lot going on. Um, he certainly right. wasn't equivalent to the Pope by a long shot. I just wanted to point out one more thing that I just noticed which is that at the back of the full page illustrations is like a cheat sheet for the illustrator. So if you look at 37R and then 37V. Yep. And it happens also on 10R and 10V. Now that I'm looking at it, you see on 37R, there's like a little shape with text in it. Right at the bottom. Yeah. And that's the text Mm -hmm. that goes on the other side. Oh. Share the feet. Ah, no, I'm wrong. Okay, no, it's explanation of what you do at that part. Okay. So there's your explanation. And then you turn the page. It's like, okay, we're getting into this section. And here's what we're going to do. Oh, interesting. I think the same thing happens. Yeah, on the back of 10V, which is 10R. So it's before you get to 10V. There's also like a little section with some small text. Yes. Saying, okay, here's what everybody's going to do. You're going to go wash your hands and then you're breaking the matzah and then you come to this section of like the beginning of the Magid portion of the Haggadah, which is when you tell the story of, of the Exodus. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's instructions for what you need to do then. Yeah, but it's on the back of the illuminated page. And that's interesting. Is it is it like that that's a breaking point, not a breaking point, but like... A transition point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So let's all go wash our hands and then we're going to come back and then we get to turn the and page. We're start, yeah, this new section and the same yeah. thing at the end. Yeah, that's so cool. And that again is like it's a it's a book that was made to be used. Yeah, right. Like yeah, it's got like instructions. Very much instructional. Yeah. We, we need visual markers telling us what to do next. And that's what that is. So I have a question yeah. about the known provenance. For this what do we know about i guess we don't know we don't really know who made it we kind of know when it was made but we don't do we know how it got into the library collection or where else it might have been or? um i am cheating and running into the bibliographic information in the record cheat um <laughs> it's just fine <laughs> i don't i don't see anything extra you know so so from Pleidelberg to darmstadt is not that long of a journey very far it's sort of stay yeah. in germany um, if I would have seen things like a censor's signature at the end, so the the Sarajevo Haggadah, for instance, has a couple of well-known Christian censors at the end. So we know that it ended up in Italy because it's signed by Domenico Yersalmitano, who was in Mantua. Mantua. He was in Mantua. So I know that in the 16th century, this book was in Mantua, even though it started in Spain. But also a book mm-hmm. that starts in Spain, a Jewish book that starts in Spain pre-1492 is going to travel somewhere if it, you right. know, to survive. So it's interesting because I don't see, you know, there's no owner's marks. Nobody's signing it as theirs. If you go back to the very beginning, it's just these like very frustratingly blank pages. Often you'd have something, you know, Mm -hmm. I am so-and-so the owner of this book. So I'm looking at the very first, which looks like it might be a paste down. Hold on. Like maybe the paste down came loose because there's um oh there's yeah it looks like dry glue around it but it also looks right. like there's something, something written that's been erased out. yep do you see that i do i do yeah 
It looks like something was written and then it's been erased. Yeah. And like that was fairly, and I see, I want to see that as the word bat, which means daughter of. Oh. But I, it could also be bar, which is like mm-hmm. the son of right. his honor. Yeah. That's amazing. So often when I books changed hands, people would cross out the name of the previous owner. And you see that mm-hmm. pretty clearly above but it looks like in this case it was scraped out or even like something was washed over it. Scraped or washed. Like it's somebody tried real hard to, to make sure to that get it that. Would. Yeah. Interesting. So there's not much there. And then when you look at the end, also, I mean, there's that lovely stamp of the, oh, the Hochschule there. But no, 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 this is the Bibliothek. This is Darmstadt. Is that the little stamp trying to get there? Yeah. It, the so Hochschule Bibliothek Darmstadt has Landis University. Yep. So that's their, that's their stamp. Their little stamp. Cool. So it's been there for a while. So it's been there for a while. I mean, there's always, there's always a question with German books. Mm-hmm. Is it that, you know, incident in the early 20th century? Early yes. to middle part. Um, but I don't, I don't see any reason to say that, to say anything. Like there's nothing, mm-hmm. there's not much that I'm seeing there that would that would tell me anything. So I can just be grateful that it's available for viewing. It's there. And it's got so many women in it. I love that. Yeah. And women studying, like not just women hanging around or looking beautiful and, you know, doing things that... No, women with books. But women with books, which is, you know, as we like it, right? Yeah, I like I like books. <laughs> so that's, that's my little manuscript. I mean, not mine, but a favorite. <laughs> A favorite. No, I can see. I can see why this is really. This is really delightful. Yeah. So what do you think, Lindsay? I think it's absolutely beautiful, and it's really interesting to see the men and women doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about sort of medieval religion, I mean, I grew up Christian. I always think about it as a very, you know, very separated kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very patriarchal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and seeing I'm looking at a page now, and <laughs> excuse me for being extra curious and clicking on my own. Oh, please! It is 48V. Oh, that's more gothic. It's more people with more books, yeah, women yeah. and men, yeah, and men. And there's like spirited conversation. It, it, I mean, yes. it is. They're pointing fingers and doing things with their fingers. <laughs> they are. They're pointing at the books and they're pointing at each other. At each other. There's a guy down at the bottom of the far right. There's a guy holding the book up above his head. And his right. head is back. He's like, oh, look, look at him. Oh, and this then is this great. Woman, woman in the center who maybe was an owner or maybe the person the book was made for. Oh, could be. Looking uh-huh. directly at the reader. Mm-hmm. With Surrounded by men who are trying to get her attention because mm-hmm. she has smart things to say <laughs> and they want to hear what she has to say. Oh, that's great. Thanks yeah. for pointing that out, Lindsay. That's a great one. Sure. Oh, this is really, this is really sweet. Well, thank you. Thank you. This has been so much fun. And and just I've discovered more things by doing this. So I I really appreciate it. Well, yeah. we really appreciate it. Thank you, Lindsay. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you. And it was nice to meet you, Michelle. Same here. Thank you for listening to Inside My Favorite Manuscript. Please, if you enjoy the podcast, leave a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Our website is insidemyfavoritemanuscript.tumblr.com, 
and there you'll find posts for all our episodes and a link where you can contact us directly. We'll be back again soon with another conversation about manuscripts and why we love them.